Hey, you're listening to the Abide Podcast. To find out more about Abide, go to AbideChurchFL.com and enjoy today's message. I love you guys so much. I feel great. So I want to talk to us today about hearing God and obeying Him. When I was um, up in Maine, God began to, to speak to me, and I haven't shared it with you guys, but I really felt like the Lord wanted me to share it today. Um, we've been on this, I have been on this time of God consecrating, and I've been on an extended fast. And the reason I went on the fast is because I felt God say to me, I want to expand, I want to expand you, and I want to stretch your capacity. How many of you know God will take you in seasons where he's trying to stretch you? You can be assured of one thing, where you are today is not necessarily where God wants you to be. Meaning, not necessarily that you're in a bad place, but God always has more for us. Say more. You can be assured of this, that God always has more and more and more. The Bible says we go from glory to glory, strength to strength, meaning where you're at right now may not be sin. It's not bad. It's not like you're, but God has more for you. And in order for you to get into the more of what God has, many times it requires a stretching, a breaking off, a letting go. Now, we can say yes and amen to that, but many times in the stretching and in the letting go and in the breaking, it's painful. How many of you know this? It's painful. It can be disorienting. So I've been in the middle of this um, extended time, and it was really watching God touch Judah at a service, at a conference, and God said, I want to touch you. I want to do that in you. So in the middle of this, I'm prefacing this, in the middle of this, I was scrolling through Instagram, and um, I scrolled through something, and I felt like God said, I want you to go to that place and I want you to get baptized. I'm like, Jesus, I have been baptized. How <laughs> I many of you know when God asks you, you're like, well, it's, there's some kind of like secret thing in my life that I need to like get rid of. Like, what are you saying? And then I didn't hear anything else. And this is just kind of the season that I'm in and I believe the body's in. I don't believe God's going to make us do anything. I believe God is inviting us into different areas of breakthrough. Many times, like, we've, like, God going to court. No, God is inviting us into areas where he wants to meet us there. How many of you know God is on the other side? Many times, God's not just leading us to punish us or on this journey. God is leading us and on the other side of his leadership and in blessing us. It is breakthrough, and it's everything we've ever wanted. So I've been in a season where I want to hear God, and I want to obey quickly. And I want to step into all that God has for me. Like, we are wired for purpose. That's why when you see little kids, my little Judah, every three days he comes up to me and says, I have decided what I want to do with the rest of my life. <laughs> One week it was a ninja. The next week it was a police officer. I'm like, bro, you've got to like, double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways, Judah. You've got to land on it. You've got to stay consistent. But, but what, what you learn through a child is we are all wired for greatness. Yeah. We all, like, no kid comes up and is like, I just kind of want to float through life and do nothing. Just work a nine to five and just get through. Retire and, you know, cash in on my 401. No kid does that because we're all wired for greatness. And what I've learned is as difficulties and things happen, we begin to minimize God's plan and God's purposes for our lives. So sometimes we begin to live our lives from a place of, well, is this good? And it's not the right question. The right question is not, is where I am good? The right question is, is where I am right now best? And I want to say to you, God's best and God's will, they are synonymous. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? God's best and God's will, they are synonymous. God's will is best for you, but it will, always be the, it'll, will also be the best thing in you. Meaning, you will never be happier than being at the center of God's will. 
Now, there may be some pain and some agitation and some difficulties that happen. And part of it is because the ministry of today and Christianity today has been all about self. And the principal thing that is warring against God's promises and purposes in you is self. We never hear any more messages about dying to self because everything today is about how to coddle self, how to make self feel good, how to, how to make you most comfortable. Well, you can't talk about that because what if they don't come back? Instead of, well, what if we go there and it's better to be offended today than at the throne room? So I just want to say on the, on the pre, this isn't even a hard message because like what I felt God was saying to me on the way back from Atlanta, I went and I got baptized and I'm going to show you guys a picture. Hopefully it's in the back and it's the right way. But um, many times we hear, no, not, not yet, not yet, not yet. I got I to build it up. <laughs> Who's the camera? I'm just, I'm just, I'm just. Many times we hear, I want to say this, many times we hear these little small voices in, the, in these invitations and we dismiss them. Because we begin to think of all the reasons why it doesn't make sense for us to go with and through God on that journey. But on the other side of that misunderstanding, on the other side of you not knowing what's going to happen is maybe everything and everything that you've been believing God for. We see in John chapter 6 that when the masses came to follow Jesus, Jesus began to say things that they could not understand. It was true. It was truth. But the reality of that moment was their inability to understand truth caused them to walk away. And what we want to overcome and what we want to step into is a season as a spiritual family. I'm not going to say church. As a family where we hear God and we obey Him quickly. Now, this is going to require from us a measure of trust and truth, of us understanding truth and trusting him in all of his ways. So in 2 Samuel 22, I want to anchor us into this scripture. I want to go on a journey and then we want to pray. But in 2 Samuel 22, verse 31, it says this, God's ways are perfect. Say perfect. Oh, I love this. God's way is perfect and all of the Lord's promises prove true. I want you to say all, not some. Not some of the things he has spoken to you, not the ones you like or the ones you don't. All of the Lord's promises, that word promise can also be translated into words. So another translation would say all of God's words prove true. All of God's words are proven, meaning they have been tested. For something to be proven, it must be tested. You cannot be proven until you have been through a testing. All of God's promises prove true and watch this. He is a shield for all who look to him for protection. It's not just a shield for all. It's a shield to all who look, who behold, and who have chosen to come under him for protection. Another translation would say as refuge, meaning we run to him as a place of safety. For who is God except the Lord? Who but our God is a solid rock, a foundation? For my God is a strong fortress, and I love this. Verse 33, he makes my way perfect. Say perfect. Now, if you don't believe this, now, if these are just words on a page, it will be incredibly difficult for you to, number one, want to hear God's voice, and more importantly, once you hear it, obey it. Because, listen, you hearing God's word is not enough. 
We must be hearers and doers of God's word. So you hearing his word is good, but the greater truth and reality would be that you would hear the word and that hearing would lead you into doing. Now, I'm not talking about doing like religious activity or falling into striving. I'm talking about doing in the, in the context of God when you say, I will obey. In the area of how I cover my kids and I love them, how I love my wife and I honor her, when to say yes to ministry or say no to ministry, how much you want me to sow into this or not sow into this, and every area, why can I do that with assurance? It's easy because God's way is perfect. There is a stability in following him. There is, there is a grounding in making his ways my ways. That's why Jesus says, pray like this, your kingdom come, your will be done. Now we know the scripture and we have it tattooed, it's everywhere, but the reality is many of us, we are anchored within our own will. And when we talk about God's plans and God's purposes, we, we, we equate it to, God, I'm gonna sit down and write what I want to happen and then I'm gonna bring it to you. And now you're required to bless it because if you don't, now I'm going to be offended. Instead of starting with God, I'm going to hear your voice. My sheep, they know my, my voice. In order to know someone's voice, it's going to require a familiarity. I don't know someone's voice I've never talked to. In order for me, if I, if I, if I shout out to my son in the middle of a crowd, he knows my voice. Why does he know my voice? Because we've spent time. There's been intentional relationships sown. And so when I speak, he hears. And because of the relationship, we know that he's going to obey. Hopefully most times in Jesus' name, I speak that. <laughs> he's eight, man. There's some testing. We're going through the proven season. So the question I want to say, I want to ask you this morning is, are you living in God's best? I want to ask you. I'm not asking you, are you blessed? It's not what I'm asking you. I'm asking you, are you living in God's best? Now, the Bible makes the agenda of the enemy clear. The enemy comes only to what? To steal, to kill, and to destroy. He starts that process by planting seeds of unbelief and doubt in who God is and how God can bless you and do through you. And if he can plant that seed of unbelief and about who God is, then it's going to make it incredibly difficult for you to step into part B of that verse. Because he says, the enemy comes not but to steal. You can put it up. It's back there. The enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But then he says, but I have come. Say, he has come. But I have come to give you life and to give it to you in abundance, to the full till it overflows. Why? Because I am, we sing about it, the good shepherd. So the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And you think that has to do with your money, your finances, your family. It has to do a lot with that. But the principal thing he wants to destroy is your ideology about this God who wants you to live in abundance. You think the enemy is not okay with you having blessing and money, social status? He's okay with having all of that and you having it as long as he has your heart. The principal battle that's going on is who has your heart? And living in God's best for you, you want to talk about God's best, it doesn't have to do with your job, with how blessed or how comfortable you are. It has to do with the war over who has your heart. So we want to hear God and we want to obey him. Are you with me? And I want to say to you today, 
And I want to beckon you to not let anything stop you from receiving all that God has for you. Do you hear me this morning? Because when I drove back, when I was flying back from Atlanta, what I heard the Lord say to me is, it's time. It's time. Now, I never have a title to a message. You've never heard me come up here and say the title of my message today is, but man, I felt so strongly today. If my message was to have a title, it would be this. It's time. I don't know what it's time for. I'm not sure what that transition looks like for you. For some of you, it's time to be done with depression. For some of you, it's time to step into purpose. For some of you, it's time to let go of the offense. For some of you, it's time to stop living bitter. For some of you, it's time to let go of the addiction. For some of you, it's time to stop hiding. What's the point? It's time. It's time to stop sitting and seat after seat, Sunday after Sunday, letting, letting life go by and not living in life in overflow. It's time. Now, in order for us to come into agreement with us stepping into this, there has to be a fundamental agreement in your heart that God is good. Yeah. I'm not going to experience the goodness of God one day. We're not waiting until all of this is over. The Bible says, David says this in Psalm 27, surely I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And David is saying this in one of the most tested periods of time in his life. In Psalm 27, there is incredible pressure and kingdoms coming against him. And he says what? I will set you before me. This one thing I ask, this one thing I seek, that I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and seek and behold his beauty. He's making this proclamation. But then he says this in the midst of that, surely, say surely. I wanted you to hear this today. I, I wish that this would strike your heart this morning. Surely, you will see God's goodness in the here and now. Not in some millennium to come. Not when bishop or apostle so-and-so lays hands on you. Surely, it's time now for you to see his goodness. The best way to step into this is to have a resolve in your heart. I'm going to hear God's voice. I'm going to obey it. Now, we live in quite possibly the craziest, most noisy generation ever. Even in moments where I find myself where there's silence, there's still a lot of noise. Does anybody know what I'm saying? There can be nothing playing. There can be nothing happening. Yet in the midst of it, there's noise. It's like when you're, when you're driving somewhere and you're, you're like, you don't know where you're at. You're like lost in directions. I, how many of you, maybe it's just me. I'm driving and I don't know where I'm going. So I start to panic. Oh my gosh, I'm lost. And for some reason I think I'm lost. I got to turn off the radio. <laughs> like the music was there. The, like now that the music's off, I'll find my way. <laughs> and what does that have to do with anything? But, but, but the principle's there, right? Noise does nothing but add more distraction. And what's happening inside of you is you're seeking alignment. And so shutting off the noise. And so for, for many of us, I want to say to you, you do not not hear God's voice because he's not speaking. God is speaking. Matthew 4, Jesus makes a statement, man does not live by bread alone, but he lives by every word that proceeds from the Lord's mouth. And it's the same for us today. We are a people that we don't live by natural things that we can see. 
temporal things that are fading away. We live our lives according to the word of the Lord. Hello? Are you alive? But the, the assault that is happening is against stillness of heart and hearing his voice. And so then we become relegated living day to day by the word of a preacher. And I love you and I love speaking to you, but my words are not enough. The word of a good preacher should, should dwindle you down to only God. If a preacher attaches you to himself, you got to run away because he's become Lord. The principal assignment of anyone holding a microphone should be to point you towards the Lord Jesus Christ and to say to you, the best thing for you is his leadership in your life, not mine. So we want to hear God and we want to obey him, but I want to say it's going to require stillness and a cutting off of the noise. Now, for some of us, noise can be social media, it could be pressure, it could be all the responsibilities, but for others of us, it could be offense, it could be bitterness, it could be church hurt, it could be unmet expectations. There's so many things and in the context of what I feel God is doing, when he's saying to us as a spiritual family, when, I, when God says it's time, I believe God is wanting to move us as a people from a visitation to a habitation. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? From a visitation to a habitation. Not just at 913 Dubloom, but you pencil in your address. God is wanting to move us from a people that we have temporary visiting rights with him on certain hours of the week to God, you dwell with me. He who abides under the shadow of the Almighty, not visits it. He who abides. He's looking for people who would abide. But how many of you know that there is a drastic difference between when someone visits and when someone habitates? When you invite somebody into your house for a weekend visit, the preparation from that visit is intentional and deliberate, but it's different than when someone is staying. Somebody's coming to visit me for the weekend, let's say my mom. I'm like, all right, man, I've got to make some adjustments. Mom's coming. I've got to clean up. You know what it is. If somebody's coming and I just, just come, no. We've got to prepare. We've got to clean. Putting our best foot forward. We're getting rid of all the toys. We're cleaning everything out. We're preparing for the coming. We've got little, little places where we hide things, right? These little holding zones <laughs> under the bed, behind the couch. They're holding zones. Nobody knows. When somebody comes to the house, there's also things that we know are just, un they're, they're unwritten rules. Meaning, if somebody walks into my house, let's say even for dinner, and there's a closed door, I'm communicating something to that person. <laughs> this door's closed. <laughs> if somebody walks in through that door, I have already communicated to you, there's something behind that door I do not want you to see. You do not have access to this place. Now, somebody's coming over for Friday night dinner and they walk into my bedroom, which has happened, by the way, praise God. It's uncomfortable because that room has not been prepared for the person to enter into it. Now, when somebody's coming to stay, it's a completely different approach because this person's not just visiting. Everything that happens within the home must now be adjusted because we're making a long-term addition to the home. I can't just hide things in certain zones because now that person is a part of my daily structure. 
They're a part of my normal routine. They don't longer visit the home. Now it's become their abiding place. Are you hearing what I'm saying? What I'm saying is the preparation for a person visiting and a person habitating are two different things. And the great conclusion that I've come to is that many times we treat God this way. We have temporary holding zones in our life. God, you have access to everything. But this one right here, bro, this space right here, I just don't know. Like we're going to keep this door closed because the reality is I don't know what happens if I open up this door. It's a mess behind this door. <laughs> like I've got myself a little bit under control. On the other side of you walking into that room, I don't know what you're going to think. I don't know how I'm going to react to what you think. But the truth is, Everybody knows what's on the other side of that door. God knows what's on the other side of that door. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? See, it always gets quiet. You're like, bro, I don't want to talk about that room. But when we, th when we say something like, God says it's time, you, automatic you automatically go to, well, that must mean it's my time to hold a microphone, to sing that song, to step in, to go to the nations. And God's like, no, it's time for me to come into that room. Like, will you give me access to that area of your life of unbelief, hopelessness, depression, you name it. The worst thing that could possibly happen in this room right now is you be in a space that's good and not lean in and say, God, even I want to go from good to great. Because I want the fullness of what you have for me. God's ways are perfect. They are perfect. His leadership is perfect. So circling back around, God speaks to me to go to Atlanta. And I'm like, God, why? Like I was in Maine. I flew into Maine at 11 o'clock at Clearwater. I had to drive home. I had to be back at the airport at four o'clock in the morning. So I get to the airport and I get there and we go to the conference. The conference is great, but they talked a lot about people being burnt out. And I'm like, honestly, I don't feel burned out. I'm, a, I'm straight. And so then I'm going to get baptized that night. Long story, very short. I didn't actually get to the baptismals until like 11 o'clock at night. Marcus was there with me. And I get to the baptismal. <clears throat> and I'm, I'm going to be, you know, you, you sometimes you begin to prepare yourself for disappointment before it ever even happens. So this, they've been baptizing people for four years and God touches people. There's miracles, signs and wonders. If I'm being honest, I've been a part of the Pentecostal charismatic thing for a long time. But many times I don't always experience what I see other people experiencing. I just don't. I've, I've maybe fallen out in the spirit because if it's going to be me, it's going to be real. I'm not going to fall off for nobody. I don't care what kind of super apostle you are. If I'm going to fall down, it's going to be real. I'm not courtesy. Fall. I don't care. Bless your feelings. Bless them. For real. So I'm at the baptismal pool and I'm like, Lord, this is about obedience. I'm here because you said it. I'm on this journey of obedience. And I want you to know that no matter what it costs, no matter how inconvenient it is, when you speak, I'm going to go. So I'm at the edge of the baptismal pool and the guy's like, are you ready? I'm like, yeah, I'm ready. But I, have, I just want to make it very clear. I had no faith for anything happening. Because I want to make it very clear. Some of you here, you have no faith but your faith is irrelevant in, in, in the context of what God wants to do. Let's lay that plumb line. So I step up into the pool <laughs> and then I get, my, my ankles hit the water 
when my ankles hit the water, it is fire and electricity. And I'm like, crap. <laughs> I literally stopped because now I have a keen awareness something is about to go down. Like, it's about to go down. There's an old guy in the pool who's probably like 100 years old. And he looks at me, he's like, did you feel that? And I'm like, yes, I did. So then I get into the water and I start crying and I don't even know why. I have a video. I'm not ready to share it yet. I'm not that vulnerable yet, but um, the Lord's work, it's that room I'm talking about. <laughs> Bless the Lord. So the guy starts praying over me and he starts saying things that only God could know. Many of you know God, God knows us. Listen to me. God knows you. Not just the great parts of you. God knows you. The intentionality of the Lord is ridiculous. The things this guy's saying to me, country guy from North Georgia, I am weeping. And so I would love to tell you like I know what happened, but he, he, at some point I just woke up. And when I woke up, I was in the water in another man's lap. Now, I love, I love, like, listen, I'll hug you all day, but there's a line. I'm not coming to hug you from behind. It's, it's you know, filial love, brotherly love. And I wake up and I can't move. So I asked the guy, I said, hey, hey, bro. How you doing, you know? How long have I been in the water? Like long enough to be pruned. I'll, but I, I want to show you how I woke up. Now it's time for the picture. Now that dude was in my neck. That's a, that's a whole humble pie cake right there. And when, I, when he's in my neck, <laughs> I mean, I could feel his breath on my neck. I asked him, I said, I said, what happened? He's like, I don't know, but nothing's going to be the same. And I got out of the water and I felt like, um, like this vest had been lifted off of me. I didn't, I didn't go there with a vest. You understand what I'm saying to you? I didn't go there because I'm like, I got to get this thing off of me. But the beauty and the mercy of God to deal with us and to bless us is just wild. In the book of Haggai, we talk about this a lot, but God is confronting a people and the people had kind of gone their own way and become discouraged. And the Bible says that God says to him, you have built your own houses and you've built yourself luxurious things and you've made, essentially you've made your life about you, but look, God's house lies in ruins. And many times we would try to leverage that scripture to try to build the church. Give more, serve more, do more. How dare you? 
But the more I read that scripture, the more I realize that that, that has to do with geo. Take inventory of your life. The wording that the Lord uses there is consider your ways. We say it all the time to the staff. It's kind of become a joke, but it's for real. Consider your ways and the fruit of what you're giving your life to. Because here's the reality. No matter where you are, you are hearing and you are obeying something. The question is not, are you hearing and are you obeying? The question is, what are you hearing and what are you obeying? Consider your ways because you're building all of these things on the outside. You're building yourself houses, but God's house lies in ruins. I think a New Testament translation because now we have become the dwelling place of God, right? This is not, this, nine, this, this house is not the dwelling place, it's physical. You, say me. You have become the dwelling place of God. So the application for us today would be consider your ways. You're building a lot on the outside, but I would love to take care of the inside. I would love to have access to those rooms that you have closed off, not to punish you, shame you, condemn you, but to touch you and bless you and heal you. Why? Because all of his ways are perfect. <laughs> it's not hard. So I want to prophetically say to you, in landing, some of you are like, praise God. I was actually at a retreat yesterday. Um, there's quite a few missing today. They're actually in Bradenton. We do these things called One Thing Camps. And um, we take people away for 48 hours and we just try to create space for people to encounter God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. That's the agenda here. There's no other agenda. <laughs> that is the agenda. And so we're there and um, I really feel like as we conclude the month of October and stepping into November, there are some things that are going to be left in November that you're just not going to deal with anymore. Now, if you believe that your situation is too great and too big for God to overcome, then it will be unto you according to your faith. But for those of you that choose to hear and obey and respond, it's going to be powerful. In 1 Kings 19, there's this moment where Elijah comes off the mountain. God speaks to Elijah and he comes off. And we've shared this, but I just want to share because I feel like it is what is going to happen. He comes down from the mountain and, and God gives Elijah instruction, go find Elisha. He goes and he finds Elisha and Elisha is plowing a field. What he's doing is he's going about his everyday business. Can we agree? 12 oxen, he's plowing the 12th one. He's going about his everyday routine. All of a sudden, the prophet comes in. And whether he knows it or not, everything is about to change. He comes on the field, he takes off his cloak, and he walks up to Elisha, and he puts the cloak on Elisha. And Elisha immediately realizes everything has shifted. Why? Because he says, whoa, whoa, whoa. First, let me go home and say bye to mom and dad. Why would he do that if he didn't know everything's about to change? I'm saying bye-bye to the last season. I'm stepping into the new one. 
And there is this statement that Elijah makes that has rocked my world. He throws a cloak on him. The younger man acknowledges everything shifted. And then the older prophet looks at him and says, you can go, but take notice of what has happened to you. Think about what has just happened to you. So the prophet says it to Elijah, Elisha, and the very next thing he does, the Bible says, 1 Kings 19, read it. The very next thing he does is he goes to the oxen, he kills them, he destroys the plows, and he builds the Lord a sacrifice. Now this is so offensive to us because if it would have been Geo, I'm like, bro, let's find a shed for the ox. Let's find a barn for the oxen. <laughs> we will park the plows because if the God thing doesn't work out, Bro, I got my business. Like, we can go back. But it just wasn't the response of someone who had taken into account what God had just done. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to say to you, I drove, flew back. I keep saying drove. I should have driven back. I flew back from Atlanta with this holy conviction that God wants to touch people. And I wrestled with should we do it today? Should we do it next week? And that's when God dropped on me the first Kings 19. You have to give them time to consider what they're really saying yes to. So next week, we're gonna come to this church. We're gonna have our kids in here and we're gonna baptize. And I wanna say to you, I wanna look at you with all the conviction in my heart God is going to deliver, heal, restore, and shift people into a new season. The old season is going to be washed off. But before that can happen, there has to be a consideration of where you are and where you're going. And I want to say to you in this season, God is responding to us so intentionally. There is no stone left unturned. I was at the retreat a month ago with our staff. We had done a one thing with our staff. And when I was there, I was visiting the different tables. This is the last thing I say, I promise. And when I went to the Holy Spirit table, I was able to fully engage with the table. Holy Spirit many times can represent mothering, covering, that kind of deal. And the Lord said, the reason that you had no trouble engaging here is because you had a great mom. She loved you, she championed you, she believed in you. So this weekend I went back and the primary reason I went back was to sit my mom at that table and say, hey, listen, I visited this table a month ago and I was able to fully engage because you were amazing. And when I said it to my mom, she started crying and she couldn't receive it. And she starts weeping and now we're both sitting there. I'm like, well, that didn't land the way I thought it was gonna land. And I said, no, 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 listen. And I started to tell her all the, all the reasons why. You did this, you did this, and you did, she's crying. So and I felt the Lord say to her, will you just hug her? Pray for her and hug her. And I hugged her. And like I said, like, we, we, we're, we're affectionate, but we, we have lines. This is a family thing. So my mom starts holding me. 
and we're sitting at the Holy Spirit table and she's holding me and we're both crying. And I'm like, I don't even know what's happening. So I didn't say anything because I'm like, I ain't trying to make it awkward. I'm gonna let you have your moment. The next day, which would have been yesterday, she sets me down. She's like, I have to tell you what happened at that table. When I went to that table, I didn't really understand it. I couldn't really receive what you were saying because from ages zero to seven, certain family members had told me over and over again, you're not a good mom. And you're never gonna love him the way I love him. And you can't provide for him the way I provide for him. And this is what she was told for years, seven years. How many of you know when you're told something long enough, you begin to believe that what you're told? So she did for me. She provided, she loved, she covered. But there was always a measure of, I'll never be good enough. So as I held her, she said as I was holding her, she had a picture of me as a seven-year-old. And God told her, I'm giving him back to you. And I'm restoring all that was stolen. But you have to forgive so-and-so. And there she was. She forgave. And she said to me, last thing she said to me yesterday is like, I got my little boy back. Now me and my mom are close. It wasn't like there was any dysfunction. We were close. But how many of you know God is restoring all things to himself? All things. So that thing that you're looking at and you're like, I just don't know. I don't stop that. Respond to the Lord and let him touch you. For those of you that next week you're like, oh man, I've been baptized. Do, do I have to? No, you don't have to. You're invited to. But, but I want to say something very clearly. If you find yourself in a situation where you feel stuck and you feel broken or you need healing, the question is, why not? Nobody's saying that you're a sinner, that you've backslidden. I am fully aware of baptism, what it means. I get it. I simply feel like God is wanting to give us a landing place for our faith. And I'm telling you next week, there will be people right here and people right here that will never be the same again. I don't need you to believe it. God said it, we heard him and we are going to obey. So I want us to stand. Was that okay? I feel good. I wanna give a moment here really a moment because we got to pick up our kids. You restore everything, God.
really quickly, what I want to do is if you're here and you identified with that, like I got to shift from one season to the next. If that any part of that sickness, whatever it is to be broken off, I want you to come. I want to pray over you just really quick because we got a few minutes. Just come forward. We want to pray. And we just want to let God speak just really quick. We're not going to take long. We just want to make space. I believe the Lord spoke to me that there's going to be at least 30 baptisms next Sunday. Can I get some of my altar workers to come alongside here? We're just going to pray. Anyone else? Just real quick. Father, would you speak and release your word into every space and every place that you are transitioning us out of, God. God, would, would, we, would you open up our ears to hear and give us the grace to obey the adjustments that have to be made, the reorientings, God, the changes from one place to the next. And we ask you, Father, by the power of the Holy Spirit to bring fresh conviction and grace and mercy, God like you did for me in those waters and my mom at the retreat and you do again and again and again and again you are way maker and you are god of the breakthrough it's who you are so we thank you god for opening up the doors for us to walk in and through in and through the door of grace and goodness and mercy and we cover these and those we cover these and those who have given you their yes for the breaking off, the washing off. We have counted the cost and we say yes. We bless you. 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 Oh, we give you our yes. We give you our yes. We give you our yes. Oh, yeah, God, new season by the power of the Holy Spirit. Release grace. Everything and everything, God, you have access. You have access. Nothing. pray together here. Let's just stretch out our hands as these have come. Father, we consecrate these hidden ones, God, and we ask you this week to speak to them, God, and God, as you prepare them these next seven days, God, would you speak to those in this room that need to wash off the old to step into the new? We declare it to be a moment of breakthrough, a Kairos moment where you deposit and you strip. You strip and you deposit everything and everything you want to do in them, God. We bless them. We bless them. 
we bless them. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I want to say this before anybody leaves. They're going to put up a slide on the sides. This is going to be the quickest way on Sunday for you to be signed up for Sunday morning baptisms. I really want to make something clear. I don't care if you got baptized 10 minutes ago. I really, like, it's irrelevant to me. I, w I simply want you to ask God yes or no. If He says no, awesome. If God says yes to five people, we're going to take our time with those five. But I believe God wants to transition people next week and you're going to take this week for Him to speak to you. And when you come in and out, it's going to be different in Jesus' name. Do you hear me? So that's the slide. We're going to continue to leave the altars open, but it's a QR code. But I want you to come ready because we're going to fast and pray this week for you. And we're going to step in with the, with the conviction, it's time. It's time. So for those of you that are here and you want to continue to let the Lord speak to you, you can stay. But I want to encourage you to sign up because we need to know how many to facilitate for. Our staff's going to be ready. We're going to be praying and fasting for this moment. But it's your moment. And we're going to celebrate as a family all God is doing in and through you. But I want to say, don't leave and come the same. Do you hear me? Don't. God ordains times and moments, and we want to step into that time. There's, there's at least 10 people that are embracing that are already going to be baptized next week. They just made the choice. They're going to be baptized. They're coming, and God's going to meet them. But there's many in this room. You need to go in. You need to wash that off. And let's step into all God has. Amen. If you're hearing God's ministering to you, you can stay as long as possible. Hey, there's a big sale for the youth for a conference. Buy everything up. We're sending them to conference to be marked and touched. Let's partner with them. Let's buy it all up. We love you guys. We'll see you in, at the crossing this Wednesday.